Welcome to TechTastic, the podcast that explores the cutting-edge world of technology and its impact on society. New breakthroughs and developments are revolutionizing the world around us, presenting exciting opportunities as well as complex challenges. We'll explore the big ideas and key players driving these transformations as we seek to understand the implications of these advancements for our lives, our communities, and our planet. Join us on this journey of discovery and exploration as we navigate the fascinating and ever-evolving world of technology. This is TechTastic. And I'd like to welcome Tristan Pelot to TechTastic. It's lovely to have you here. I'd like to know more about your background. Tell me about yourself. Yeah, sure. So I worked in, in banking six years. So I worked in, I was doing corporate strategy and corporate finance, doing stuff like digital transformation, partnerships with other companies. So I looked at, for instance, at blockchain and other technologies, how it could transform our business. So I was working for kind of an old school bank. And so going through the digital transformation, like a lot of large banks do. So I did this for a while. And then I launched uh, FinTech Review in 2020, which is an online media on FinTech. So I cover love stuff around fintech for me it's broad and that's fintechreview.net yeah is that right yeah and for for me fintech is really about the intersection of technology finance but also business and economics so for me it's it's all that it's not just technology because technology without finance is not fintech it's just technology so and then when you talk finance you talk actually you talk business and economics so all this plays a role like the bank um, the fed rate as an impact on, on the business of banks, that has an impact on fintech, etc. So I'm quite interested in all this space. And so I cover it through interviews and my newsletter. And now I'm starting to teach fintech as well. And I'm really interested in that space. When I don't do that, I'm, I'm an advisor to and a consultant to range of companies, not only in fintech, actually, also in other sectors. And apart from that, I live in Spain, where it's quite hot right now. But uh, I also travel a bit everywhere to work. So I'm not a technologist. I went to business school and I also studied economics. So this is my my take on, on fintech. It tends to be more a business and an economics take on it rather than focusing on the technology. I focus on the applications. I don't care about the so I don't care about technology, but you tell me it solves something, I, I'm telling you how much does it cost. Is it increasing revenues? Is it de- decreasing costs? Otherwise, why are we using this? So this is it tends to be my, my view on tech. So fintech has been interesting to me as an outsider. I was in ad tech for a while and ad tech touches fintech. And then I was in logistics in global trade, which is kind of in the middle of fintech in a way. Like we dealt with a lot of commodities brokers. We were involved with the World Bank. We were, you know, we were connected to these parties, but I'd never been an insider in fintech. I've never been like at a bank or any of those. So I'm curious, it seems to me like an industry that is both very fast to grab things and adapt to them when they're proven value. But as an outsider, again, it also looks very conservative, like they wait for proof before they act. So mm. first, is that is that a safe way of describing it? And second, is there anything happening in fintech right now that you find really exciting? So I think it's kind of a good way to describe it, because when you remember that banks are actually heavily regulated. so. We see a fintech that don't touch so much on, on money or are are using the license of someone else. But as long as there is a license, it means regulator. And so the thing is, large banks, when, when they start to have a, a decent size, 
they're in regular dialogue with the regulator about what they do and what they don't do. And so they tend to be a bit limited in, in what they do with technology. That's the reality that, for instance, you can't say, oh, I'm going to do AI models that decide if you get a mortgage or not. Mm. Or the regulator is going to be like, no, this is not happening. I want to know why you're deciding this and how you're deciding it. So you can't have a model, a chat GPT for mortgage going loose. So. So that's also like a dynamic is that you consistently need to talk to regulator explaining what you do uh, and you can do a digital transformation, but you can't go and break stuff. And that because <laughs> there are a few rules that are going to bound the way you adopt technology in a bank, but at the same time, they have the scale and the money and they need uh, to evolve technologically because there are lots of newcomers. Um, they do a lot of nice and shiny stuff, but a lot of them, their business model is wrong or it's never going to be profitable or it's never going to work because they don't really understand how they should be evolving. And sometimes you just need huge scale. So there are, there are some interesting dynamics. Um, and what you're saying about stuff, obviously, that is quite interesting. Let's see where, where AI I think it's more, it's broader than, than financial services. It's just like, what are we gonna do with it? And the potential is enormous, but actually, do you want to use this potential? So for instance, financial services, it's gonna be limited what you can do because regulators are never gonna be super confident about letting loose a technology. And also because in, in any regulated industry, the regulator or the government wants someone to blame if something goes wrong. So right. you can't, if you have a technology, then it's going to be the developer, but someone, it can't be autonomous. It's not uh, Skynet, it can't be autonomous. So someone has to pay eventually. So that's why I, I see the limits already. Speaking of AI and staying on that a little bit, uh, are there areas that you think in that space, it would be applicable? For me, the companies that really succeed are the ones that focus on one use case and they do extremely well. And that happened a lot in payments because all went after payments, they did it well. And this is how you build a business rather than going after like many things at the same time and it's costly. And also you need to really know where you, you're stepping in. So banks are heavily regulated. And so going into their business, for instance, Apple doesn't go into that business. They do a partnership and they sell their, their Apple card, they make the fat margin and the partner does all the admin. Because they understood, they were like, look, we're not going to start this, it's useless and it's the heavy costs are on this side, so we're not going to do it. And so for AI, I think, as you say, customer service, it can help a lot. I've seen a few interesting things, so it's not just banking, but uh, using AI to analyze the language to, for instance, identify distress the voice of a customer mm. or a chat GPT style chatbot to answer a lot of queries. As you say, for uh, analytics or, or risk, it can it augment people within the bank to actually save them a lot of time. So there are a few, I think, could be really interesting use cases around all that stuff around automation. And I think for me, I tend to talk more about automation rather than AI, because then you talk about AI and people get, but it's more, <laughs> okay, with automation, what do you want to automate? What's the process that you want to automate? What do you want to do here? Because this is what you're talking about rather than I'm building. A, and also most of the time people actually don't do AI, they do like, it's automation. It's, it's like, it's a rules-based 
thing. It's yeah. nothing to do with with some kind of crazy model, uh, but you know they love it. Uh, yeah. But I think it's as you say. It, we used to see a lot of these a few years ago. Oh yeah, we we're doing a blockchain stuff, and yeah, okay, well fine. Uh, and then slowly, people like some companies matured, and they talked about what they were doing and their technology. Oh yeah, and by the way, we use blockchain. Okay, cool. And so for now, AI is just too much. And then eventually we'll get into, oh, we're doing this and we're using this technology. Oh, by the way, we're developing a model and it's AI. I think this is the right way, as you say, focusing on the problem you're trying to solve. How are you solving it? For instance, the customer, it doesn't care. You can be using a rules-based AI a blockchain. No, oh, I, I have a problem. Can you solve it? Yeah, but listen to me, I'm using AI. It doesn't care. It wants, <laughs> wants the service to work. So yeah. there is always this battle between the customer cares about the, the front end customer experience. What you do in the back end, it's your problem as a business. If you have a, a gazillion people answering the queries or a very fast computer, it doesn't matter. Like what, what matters is the cost, the efficiency, all that stuff. But for the customer, it doesn't care. Yeah, trade finance in particular, uh, the the whole logistics ecosystem as a whole, the, not just the trade finance piece, but you've got so many parties that just don't know each other, don't trust each other, and sure as heck don't want to connect to each other. Like they don't want to share data. Mm. And creating a mechanism by which you can do that and you can maybe monetize the sharing of data between parties, like that that has real interest. That's what we were, you know, the former company, uh, we were doing a bit of that. The, the thing that I always go back to, though, is uh, cost versus benefit. Mm. Now, in, in that particular case, I'll tell you that the marketing of blockchain crypto world helped because we didn't have to go in and say, you know, we're building it as a, an API gateway, you know, with all these fun things you could do with it. You would have to spend months convincing any party that it's cryptographically secure and then mm. like they're not going to have their data stolen. But if you said blockchain, they went. Oh yeah, okay, that totally makes sense. Like you didn't have to sell that. Mm. The, the marketing was good. You know, that's not necessarily meaning that it's going to be cost-effective to run, or there are other trade-offs that you're making. So, yeah, I, I always get put into the camp of like people think of me as a technologist first, but they don't know that I started life as an entrepreneur very, very young, and the only reason that I gravitated towards you know high-tech world was because that's where all the opportunities were. And so I got deep and got to know it, but I take that same view as like, if you're not increasing my revenue or decreasing my cost to operate, the technology serves no purpose. You're telling me you're bringing more customers in with it, but it costs me 10 times as much as to operate and I'm not profitable. Why the hell would I do that, right? The economics are the center of any business. One of the previous guests on the show, we talked about this at length, focusing on the customer, empathy for the customer, understanding their pain. And your job has to always be to give them enough that you can take value back out in the form of profit. And if you're not giving them so much, it's worth so much to them versus your cost to operate to deliver it, you're never going to be a good company. What mm. are you doing? It, it creates noise because, I mean, sometimes I talk with companies and they're like, oh, we're going to develop AI. And I'm like, okay, what do you want to do? Do you need to do AI right now? No, you need to go to market with something that works get some clients, get them to pay for your services, start to scale, then reinvest that into AI. Don't go and blast a few hundred thousand in building something that you don't know if it's going to work. And AI is, it's complex and it's going to take time. And I think people 
kind of don't understand how long it takes to build something that works in that space. Oh yeah, uh, and and how expensive it's going to be. So for me, it can't be your use case like number one to solve anything. You go to an industry and you want to solve a problem, AI can't be the solution. Like your solution, your MVP. It can't be with AI. Like I haven't met anybody that can prove me the MVP need to integrate AI. No, it's not true. Like your MVP needs to be like scrappy, and so it needs to go direct, and it will solve your your customer's problem. Because if they have a really big problem that they need to solve, your solution is going to be simple. What what I mean is that like for instance, ChatGPT came to market. They're not solving an extra big need. Is that it's it's an improvement on on something that existed already for a while, and and they're developing on it and they're building on it. And this is not their end game. I, I see a lot of noise that will eventually dissipate uh, when people will realize that actually they don't need AI to do everything. Like the, people realize they didn't need blockchain. When I started hearing discussion about like, oh yeah, we're gonna do uh, room bookings in, like in offices with blockchain, I was like, this is the stupidest idea. Well, wh why do you need like an immutable database for people that have booked a, a meeting room? I was like, oh my God. <laughs> a lot of the frustration a lot of people are having with blockchain right now is that it seems like a solution looking for a problem mm. versus being the solution to a problem. Yeah, I mean, for me, it became a bit mainstream in 2016. I was working in banking and at that point it was like 100% no, a solution looking for a problem. So literally people saying, hey, what could we do with blockchain? And it was it was stupid. Now, now it has matured a bit more, but it's still very much the case in, in some areas where I feel the technology is not useful. So you're trying to apply blockchain to something that actually doesn't need fixing and lately i've been diving much more into this because next week i'm starting to teach fintech to university in china which covers blockchain applications wow, in financial services so the challenges and, and why it's useful and why sometimes it's not and things are a, a few really good use cases like things that are broken and that you could fix it with a technology that could be blockchain or could be something else. But I agree with you, like you look at the problem and then one of the solution might be blockchain and then you look at really why it would be rather than developing a blockchain platform and trying to apply it to something. This is the wrong way to look at it. Uh, and it's the wrong way to look at any technology application. If you were doing AI that way, it's also useless because this is not the way it should be. But yeah, I, I think for, so for instance, my view is that crypto in itself has very little use, except if you're in a third world country with no stable currency, but otherwise I don't, I don't see it. But trade finance, uh, supply chain finance, yes, are interesting use cases for, for blockchain. Anyway. There's, as you said that, I was like, actually, there's this weird thing that I've in my head bugged me for a long time, and it's related to finding meeting rooms. It's not the only mm -hmm. thing, but like managing calendar and all of the associated, uh, like I need to be in San Francisco for a meeting, which means I need an airplane ticket, I need a car, I need a hotel room, I need to make sure that like that person's gonna be available at the same time that I am. Like there's a lot of administrative function that has to happen. Hmm. If you have an admin 
great. If the other person you're meeting with or other people you have are meeting with, great. That's their role is to like coordinate all that. And that's one of those places where an AI type tool, it doesn't have to be AI, but something that allows a, like a heuristic model that just had all the rules in it and it could look at calendars and it could look at all that stuff would work really, really well. There are places like that, but that goes back to the same thing of like saying, hey, I'm building blockchain. What can I solve with it? What I've just done is said, I have AI. What can I do with it? And it's never the right way to solve it anything because it could very well be that that works, but it'd just be cheaper to hire an admin or it'd be more it'd be mm. better to hire an admin, right? Like there's always that trade-off. And the company I started is an AI company, but we started from, there's this really painful problem that I have a CTO and as a former CIO and all that crap, I've had to deal with over and over and over and over again. And we figured out how to solve it. And it just happened that AI solved it for us. Well, AI helped us solve it. It didn't solve it for us. And it was like, okay, that's a company. That's something that we can do. But to your point, it's not that AI solved it. It's that it helped us solve it. <laughs> it was, hmm. it, it enabled a solution. It isn't the solution. Yeah, no, I, I completely get you because I'm the CFO of a startup that we're going to use AI or developing our, our models. But the point is not just to use AI to just for use AI, because again, for me, it's about automation and doing it cheaper at scale. Yeah. So otherwise, there's no point. It's it's about streaming of, of sports event in, in the equestrian industry. But instead of having a cameraman and stuff, you can use smart cameras and, and try to automate this process. So at scale, it's cheaper. But that's the only point. Otherwise, using it to use it, it's not the point. So I think for me, uh, the technology only makes sense. As I said, it's cheaper or it, it's bringing you revenue. Usually technology is more like because it's cheaper that you're doing it. So, but sometimes, as you say, you need scale. For instance, for us, with low volume, actually, it's cheaper to get a guy with his camera and go. At scale, no, because at scale, when technology becomes cheaper and you have like process in place, it become, you can automate a lot of things, then it becomes cheaper. But um, the problem with AI models is that in many cases, it's going to take you a while to get to that point. It's like to clean your house, you could build a super crazy robot <laughs> to, to, clean, to clean everything in your house actually get a cleaning lady it's cheaper so yeah. that's that's the that's the reality right now is it going to be the case in 10 years i don't know but for now we're not there so yeah. same in restaurant industry so you could do it but why would you do it because there's no cost advantage yeah that's a, the, one of the best examples i've heard anybody use if you were cleaning a million homes it would be cheaper to build a robot to do it right but if you're just going to have your home cleaned it's going to cost you a fortune to build a robot mm. that can clean your house why would you do it so tristan absolute pleasure having you on the show i'd love to have you on again in the future especially if you've got a new company that's going to launch soon right after you guys have that and you want to make a big announcement i'd love to have you on again yeah, sure. We're working on it. So hopefully it's uh, it's not going to be in a while. But yeah, I'll be happy to, to come talk more really about what we're doing. Fantastic. Well, great having you on. It's Techtastic. Uh, we'll have you on again. My absolute pleasure. Have a good day. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And that's a wrap for this episode of Techtastic. I want to thank you personally for joining us and we'll see you next time. Until then, keep exploring and stay curious.